God doesn't want me worrying about anything. Nothing, nada, zip, zero. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. That's pretty clear. Instead, pray about everything. We've talked about this many times. You can pray or you can panic. If you're not praying, you're panicking. You can worry or you can worship. If you're not worshiping, you're worrying. You invite worship in the front door, worry goes out the back door. And so God says, I don't want you worrying about anything. Now why? He says, worry is unreasonable. It's unreasonable. In other words, it doesn't make sense. It's illogical. It is irrational. It is unreasonable. Uh, in the first place, we typically worry about the wrong thing. We worry about the little stuff, how I look, how I appear, what I say, who, I, who I'm talking to, stuff, am I gonna be late for this meeting? Stuff that isn't gonna matter in five years. It's all temporary. If you're really gonna worry, and God says you shouldn't, but if you were gonna worry, worry about things that are eternal. Don't worry about stuff that's not gonna to matter tomorrow. Jesus says you should never worry, not only because it's unreasonable, it's unnatural. Nature does not worry, it's unnatural. Jesus says, you know, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. They're not worried about, you know, do I have enough to live on? And he said, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than birds? If God takes care of birds, isn't he gonna take care of you? And then he says in verse 28 and 29, Matthew 6, why do you worry about your clothes? You go out and look at the flowers. Look at the field lilies. They don't worry about, about how they look. Yet King Solomon, in all of his glory, was not clothed as beautifully as they are. And he said, all of creation trusts my care except humans. He's saying worry isn't natural. Jesus says worry is unhelpful. What does he mean by that? It's useless. It doesn't work. Worry is worthless. It doesn't change anything when you worry. Matthew 6, verse 27, Jesus says, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Worry can't make you an inch taller. Worry can't make you an inch shorter. Can't make you bigger or smaller, thinner or fatter. Worry doesn't work. He says, who of you can change anything? He says, you can't add even a single hour to your life. Worry about any problem in your life will never move you one step toward that situation. Worry is worthless. Worry cannot change anything in your past. It's already done. Your past is past, so why are you worried about it? Worry cannot control your future. No matter how much you think you can, you're not controlling it by worrying about it. So if it can't change the past and it can't control the future, what does it do? Messes up today. And he says, there's no need to worry because your heavenly father will take care of you. You know, when I was a kid, um, if I had any need in my life, I didn't worry about it. I just went to my dad. I said, dad, I need this, or mom, I need this. And if I needed money for, to buy something, I said, dad, I need some money to, to buy this. I never once worried about where he was gonna get the money. That was his worry. You're worrying about a lot of things that are God's responsibility. Worry is assuming responsibility that God never intended for you to have. Every time you worry, it's a warning light. I'm playing God. I'm acting like God. I'm, I'm a, a, 
thinking that it all depends on me, that I don't have a heavenly father. So you never worry if you understand that God is your heavenly father and you understand the goodness, the goodness of God. Matthew 6 verse 30 says this, if God cares so wonderfully, even for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, in other words, they're only gonna bloom for a few days and then they're gone, but your life lasts decades. If God cares so wonderfully even for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he surely care for you? You see, what he's saying here is that God has assumed responsibility for the needs in your life. And he cares for you because he says you are valuable. You have value. You want to know how much you value? Look at the cross. Jesus died for you on the cross. That shows how much value you have to God. You're not junk. You're not worthless. No, no, you are valuable to God because you're his child. And like the shepherd takes care of the defenseless sheep, when you need it, I'm there. What am I saying? I'm saying that worry in your life, every time you worry, it comes from the fact that you misunderstand the goodness of God. Worry is a warning sign. It's a yellow caution light going, bam, bam, bam. That's saying, at this point, I've forgotten how good God is. I've forgotten the promises of God. I've forgotten what God has promised to do in my life to meet all my needs. He says it over and over and over. I will meet all your needs. There's no need that God will not meet if you trust him. Now, if you don't trust him, you're out there on your own. But if you trust him, he says, I will meet every need in your life. And worry means I've forgotten that, the goodness of God. It comes from misunderstanding what God is really like. And you know what? We always get into trouble every time whenever we start doubting God's goodness. When we start thinking, God's not going to take care of me. God doesn't really love me. God isn't a good God. Every time you start thinking like that, and you know where those thoughts came from, um, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to go down a blind alley, hit a dead end, have all kinds of discouragement in your life. And it doesn't even make sense. Most of you here sitting here this, uh, in this day are, are believers. You've stepped across the line spiritually. You've said, you know, I've put my trust in Jesus Christ because I know heaven's perfect and I'm not. There's no chance I'm getting to heaven on my own goodness because I'm not good enough. So I'm trusting Jesus Christ to forgive me and to save me by his grace. Not by my works, but I'm just trusting God to save me because he's, he loves me. He wants to forgive me. He sent Jesus to die for me. When Jesus died on the cross for you, he solved your biggest problem. You don't have any bigger problem than eternal salvation. But if that's your biggest problem, why do you doubt his taking care of the smaller things in your life? What's the logic of saying, I'm going to trust God to get me to heaven, but I'm not going to trust him to help me make my car payment? What, what's the logic in that? It makes no sense. Why would you trust God with something so big, eternal salvation, but not trust him with, who am I supposed to marry? Or am I ever going to get married? Or am I going to get a job? Or what school should I go to? And all the other major questions in life. Why don't you trust him with those things too? It doesn't make sense to say, oh, I, I don't doubt him for my salvation, but I do doubt that he's going to care for my health. I do doubt that he's going to care for my career. It doesn't make sense at all. If God can be trusted for salvation, he'll carry everything else. And when you doubt that, you are an unbeliever at that moment. You're an unbeliever. Every time you worry, you act like an unbeliever. 
You see, it's actually an insult to God every time you worry. You're acting like an orphan every time you worry. You're acting like you don't have a heavenly father who has promised over and over again over 3,000 promises in this book to take care of your needs. How many times do you act like God doesn't know what you need? And we start depending on ourselves and we start taking matters into our own hands and we assume that we have to figure it all out rather than just trusting. That's called playing God. When we get to heaven, you're going to see how many times you set yourself up for failure by worrying instead of trusting. John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says this, Don't be worried. What do I do instead of worrying? He says, believe in God and believe in me. Now, how do you do that? How do you trust God to meet your needs? Number one, and you do this every day. It's not a one-time thing. Every day, ask him to be my shepherd. Every day, I ask Jesus to be my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You do this every morning. When you get up, you sit on the side of your bed and you say, the Lord is my shepherd. And then I say it throughout the day. Uh, any, you got a major decision to make. The Lord is my shepherd. You might say it 10 or 15 times a day. But if you'll start saying that phrase, your worry will go down. Every time you start to worry, you need to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Now in John chapter 10, Jesus says this, verse 14, 15. I am the good shepherd. When you say, the Lord's my shepherd, who is that? Jesus says, I'm it, I'm him. I am the Lord, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own sheep, and they know me, and I lay down my life for my sheep. That's what he did on the cross. He gave his life for you. Second, it's very important, I give him, Jesus, first place in every area of my life. This is extremely important, that I give Jesus first place in every area of my life. Now the Bible says this, Matthew 6, verse 31 to 33, your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well what you need. Now, let me stop right there. Your heavenly Father perfectly knows already what you need. So any need you mention to God, he already knows. So anytime you come to God with the needs, he's not gonna go, whoa, I never saw that one coming. He knew it before he made you. But he says, I already know what you need uh, before you even ask. And he says, and he will, not might, he will give you what you need if, here's the condition, if you give him first place in your life and you live as he wants you to. So you give God first place in every area of your life. Now let me just tell you something. Anytime you worry, that is a warning light that that particular area of your life, you have not given him first place. When you make Jesus Christ number one in every single area of your life, it really simplifies your priorities and it also gives you a whole lot less to worry about. See, when it's given to God, then you don't have to worry about it. Too often we worry about things. We worry about physical possessions. Now, as long as you love anything else in your life more than God, that area is going to become a source of worry to you. Just count on it. It's going to become a source of stress. 
and a source of insecurity if God, if you love it more than God. You're going to be victimized by worry and anxiety. And eventually, everybody has to decide, you and me and everybody else, what am I going to live for and who am I going to live for? Um, and whatever that answer is becomes your Lord. You know, one of the things we worry about the most, of course, is money. What I've discovered is that no matter how much or how little you've got about it, you still worry about it. And if you don't have it, you worry about getting it. If you've got it, you're worrying about keeping it, saving it, spending it, investing it, protecting it. And God says, I don't want you worrying about that. I'll take care of all your needs. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus says this. So don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will have its own worries. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Anybody agree with that verse? You can't change the future, can't change the past, just work on today. There are two days of every week you should never worry about. Yesterday and tomorrow. Because you can't do anything about them. Take one day at a time through your life. Now why? Why does God say that you should only live your life one day at a time? Well, because it's true. It's the only thing you can do. You can't live in the past. You can't live in the future. You can only live today. But there's a couple reasons why you should only live one day at a time. First, when you worry about tomorrow's problems, you miss all the blessings of today. Some of you are so worried about retirement, you're not enjoying today. It's okay to plan for tomorrow. It's okay to plan for the future. Just don't worry about the future. Planning is good. Worrying is bad. You can plan for tomorrow, but you can't live in tomorrow. You can only live today. Now, I know that the future can often seem, you know, very overwhelming. Uh, but God graciously divided it up into 24-hour segments. So you don't get all the future at once. You get it 24 hours at a time. And if God gave you all the future at one time, it would overwhelm you. But you're not there yet. You're not ready for it. So it's not gonna come at you all at once. You're gonna hit the future one day at a time. You can handle that. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. When I look through the scriptures, every famine that happened, every economic downturn, every plague, every disease, the people of God were sustained through every season that the world went through because they put their trust in him. Because when your trust is in the Lord, you are secure. You know, it's easy to say that we trust God when everything's good and everything's happy and all is going according to plan. We say, oh yeah, I'm just trusting the Lord and look how good everything is. But it's a whole other deal to trust God when things are not so good. You see, to trust God means you have to allow him to do what he wants to do, even if he fails. And you say, well, he can't fail, he's God. And that's the point, he can't fail. Therefore, we must trust him enough to let him succeed but to let him succeed on his terms 
and in his way and in his time, not on my terms or in my way or, or in my timing. To trust God is to say, I'm going to let God do what he wants to do. Lord, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to resist. I'm going to let you do what you know is best. And I am not going to fear the outcome. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not be in want. In other words, God says, I will take care of all your needs if you'll just trust me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. The Bible says it like this in 1 Peter 4 verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised or shocked when you go through painful trials and fiery tests in life. The Bible says in the world you will have tribulation. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 17 and 18 says this. For our temporary, listen, it's not going to last, our temporary and momentary troubles will not last but they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we focus not on what is seen, the problems around us, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, it's not gonna last, but what is unseen is eternal. Sometimes when you're following Jesus, he leads you right into a storm. Remember, in the New Testament, there are two times when the disciples found themselves in a storm, in a boat. They thought they were going to die both times. But they were in the storm, they were in their trouble, not because they were doing things wrong, they were in trouble because they were doing things right. They were following Jesus. They were obeying what he told them to do. They were following his directions and his directions led them right into a storm. But if they had not been in those storms, they would never have discovered truths about Jesus. There were things that they saw about him they had never seen before, and they never could have learned them any other way except by going through the storms that they experienced. My tendency when it comes to storms is I want to go around the storm. If I see it coming up on the horizon, I want to find a way around the trouble. But sometimes God wants to lead you straight into the middle of it all because the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. And so you follow him into the middle of it. He says, trust me, because the Lord has his way in that. When you are in the middle of the storm, that's when you look for God. Always look for God in the way things are not in the way that you hope they will be, but look for God in the way things are because he is not waiting for you on the other side of the trouble, waiting for you to figure it out and find your way through. He is in the middle of it, walking with you, working his way and his will, but you've got to trust him in it. So when God says, do you trust me? Well, then you have a decision to make. Will you allow him to do what he wants to do and not fear the outcome? Because to fear the outcome says, Lord, I don't really quite trust you. Will you allow him to do what he wants to do and not fear the outcome? Focus on what never changes. 
in the days ahead. That'll give you stability. Don't focus on what's every changing because we don't know where it's all going to end up. You say, well, what are the unchangeable truths that uh, that aren't I should focus on? Well, God sees everything I'm going through. Focus on that. God cares about everything I'm going through. That's unchangeable. God sees and he cares. God has the power to change what I'm going through. He has the power to answer prayers. That's unchangeable. God always acts out of his goodness to me. That's never going to change no matter what happens. God is always going to act good to me. God's plan is always better than my plan. I may not see it, but it's better because he's a good God. God will never stop loving me. That's never going to change in your life. These are things you need to focus on, the things that never change. God's love for me, God's grace for me, God's goodness for me. Remember this. Remember that no matter what I go through, God will go through it with me. Every stage, every phase, every crisis, no matter what I go through, God is going to go through it with me. You will never really ever be alone. God is with you. He's with you right now. God has never been closer to you than he is right now. He'll never be any further away than he is right now. And remember the great promise of Isaiah 43, verse two. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned up. It will not consume you. That's what you want to focus on. Maybe a little less listening to the Internet and a little bit more listening to God. That will give you confidence. That will give you stability. That will replace your panic with prayer. It will replace your worry with worship. It will replace your anxiety with adoration. You have to believe that God knows what is best, that he will not abandon you, he will not let go of you, that you will not be destroyed by this trouble. You have to take him at his word when he says, I will never leave you or abandon you. You have to take him at his word when he says, I take all things and work them together for your good. The seed of faith, the seed of faith planted in the soil of adversity under the watchful eye of the gardener will bring forth life and beauty in its season. The Bible says that God makes all things beautiful in their time. The trouble that you are in will not last. The trouble will not last. It is light and momentary compared to the eternal glory that awaits you. It is all about your perspective. How you see the trouble is how you will face the trouble. If you see it in fear, you'll face it in fear. If you see it in doubt, you'll face it in doubt. If you see it in faith, you will face it in faith. So don't see it as the end. See it as the beginning. 
You have to look through eyes of faith, through a lens of hope, a lens of expectation. Remember, this is not the end of the story because we don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. We don't know all that's going to go ahead, but we're not frightened by it because we know the end of the story. We've read the last chapter of the book. We know that God is in control. We know that God is not surprised by this, that God is bigger than this. And Romans 8:28 is still true. All things work together for the good of those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose.